today, though, we're we're primarily focused on his book, Seven Secrets of Time Travel, uh, published by Destiny Books, which is an imprint of inner traditions. Um, Vaughn has led workshops throughout the U.S. and the U.K. Uh, he's a former faculty member at Omega Institute for Holistic Studies in Rhinesbeck, New York. Uh, he's a lifetime member of the International Theosophical Society, uh, and he lives in St. Paul, Minnesota, and he spends time writing in a cabin on a rustic island in the San Juans off the coast of Washington State. Ah, so he's not that far away from me. Uh, and he says he spends a good part of his free time doing animal rescue, a man after my own heart. So, uh, Vaughn, uh, welcome to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Hi, Karen. Thank you for inviting me. Well, it is my pleasure, and uh, as an avid uh, fan of Outlander and also the trilogy uh, All Souls, uh, you know, time travel is a topic. Uh, well, God, gee, I'm an old Trekkie, too, uh, going back to Star Trek days. You know, time time travels, you know, that nut we've been trying to crack uh, for so long. And uh, I have to ask you, when you're talking about time travel, is your definition different um, than the kind of time travel I'm referring to in Outlander or Star Trek or H.G. Wells? Yes, but but I I, I have uh, leaned on the Star Trek uh, mystique to help friends experience time travel if they can see somebody uh, dematerializing and 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 then they reappear somewhere else, or uh, you know then then I think they've gone through the transporter and they're relocated, right? So that's not like in in a time, but it's like moving through through space time. It's through certainly moving through space. So I think people, when they see that, then they say, oh, my gosh, remember the flip phone, Star Trek? You know, it's, it's, we're just around the corner. But uh, to answer your question, uh, no, uh, you, you can't ride in a DeLorean. You can't climb an H.G. Wells time machine. You can't physically manifest your physical body in another time space. You can, you can manifest an almost complete body, and, and, and mystics have been doing that for many, many, many years. Uh, that's what I get into. But I am fascinated with a lot of cutting-edge physics, and I'm very interested in, in light. Light and consciousness, and light is actualizing energy, light moving at the speed of, you know, of, of time. Time is governed, of course, by, by light. You know, the speed of light is Einstein said a limiting factor, that is how fast it goes. Your consciousness goes that fast. That's what most people do. They send their consciousness. They send their energy body, and you can send a body that resembles your physical body, but you can't sign contracts. You can't, uh, you can't uh, step up to the plate, hit the ball. You cannot shake somebody's hand. You, know, you can't go back and assassinate Hitler because you, know, you don't have a physical body. Well, we haven't gotten there yet. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, and, and, you know, you're making me think, too, now of an old movie. Uh, maybe you're old enough to remember it uh, called Somewhere in Time. Oh, um, my gosh, where I love that movie. I, Oh, I did, too. Right. And he projected himself back, 
um, using his mind, and I mean, I know it's a movie, but you know, he this was this wasn't you know some sort of um, scientific mechanism, you know, a machine. He didn't use a machine uh, to go back in time. He did it with his mind, and if you remember, he um, fell out of the trance, if you will, I, you know, uh, when he saw a penny from modern times, and that that broke the spell, so to speak, and, uh, you know, and he ended up back in his real time instead of in the past. Um, So, yeah, I think we're all pretty intrigued, uh, you know, by by the potential, uh, um, you know, for for time travel. Well, what what got you started on, um, you know, being so interested, you know, other than, you know, some of these – Um, uh, you know, I've I've already brought to the fore. I've, I've had some experiences. Uh, I guess the first one I can remember very clearly. It was uh, a, a time shift. Was I was 12 years old, and I got very very sick, and um, I was out uh, far from home with a bunch of other young people, and I wanted to go home because I felt terrible abdominal pain. Didn't know it at the time, but I was having uh, an appendix uh, attack. And it was ready to burst. And uh, I tried to get someone to drive me home. They said, oh, we're all going to go shortly. You just wait. And I said, you know, I can't. I was was sick out of my mind. I was beginning to hallucinate it. I mean, I, I just, it was really surreal. So I looked up and I remembered that we went to the river, and there was, we'd crossed on this bus, we had crossed a railroad track. And in my mind, I, I raced through a scenario where I walked down the railroad track to my home and got off the railroad track, and I was right across the street from my front door. And, and I said, that's what I'm going to do. My friend said, oh, you better wait for the, for the bus. Because we were miles from home. And, and honestly, I didn't know the way home. I was 12 years old, not very bright, you know. And I didn't know the way home. Didn't know where the tracks go. Now, railroad tracks shift this way and that way. There's all these switchbacks. I didn't know if that particular train went to my town because I was in a different city, <coughs> actually out the country. But I got on the track, you know, fully feeling that I was going to walk right up to my house. Well, I remember looking back at my friends, and then I rounded a corner, and there were berry bushes, and I couldn't see them anymore. And I blinked my eyes, and just like the girl with the ruby red slippers, I was somewhere else. I was at the end of the line, standing on a railroad track across the street from my house. I stepped off the track, opened the door. No one was home, waited for my mother, and said, oh, I'm really, really sick. And finally, the next morning, she got a hold of the doctor who thought golfing was much more important and said, put him on ice. I'll be there when I finish the back nine. And um, my appendix had burst there in the operating room while I waited. I was all right. You know, I'm here. But, But here's the thing. It took me a year to sort out that this made no sense because I couldn't instantly be there. I couldn't instantly be there. And in fact, here's the kicker, the railroad tracks don't go near my house. 
They were at the other end of town and probably not the same railroad tracks. So two years two years later, three years later actually, we moved to another city and and at that location you could stand on my front porch and look at the railroad track. It really did come to my house. So I mean, it's really it's really odd, you know. And I tried to figure out how this, how I could instantly be somewhere else, instantly. I, 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 you know, it was like a time slip, you know. And it had a whole lot to do with the shift in consciousness, and that's kind of what I want to say today. And and well, I had others. I mean, I later on became a newspaper journalist. Remember, remember when we had newspapers? Well, I was hooked into that, uh-huh. and, uh, and and I was walking around, you know, looking for exciting stuff, and, and I, I remember walking, it went into town, and then uh, just walking and walking, it was a hot summer day, and walking, suddenly it was at the other end of town, I couldn't remember any of how I got there, and it's like, I looked at my watch, and it's like, a lot of time had gone off my watch, but it's like, it, it didn't make any sense, I mean, it's like, it, I like slipped out, I mean, I was somewhere else living some other some other life, you know, and, and then I was back in my physical body, and minutes later I was at the end of town, which is kind of scary because it makes me think I walked across intersections, you know, without being fully conscious in my physical body. And then later on it happened when I was in a darkroom developing film for the newspaper. It's like, oh, my gosh. It's like I lost, like, I don't know, like, 35 minutes, and I didn't know what to do with the film. It was over overdeveloped, you know. So, wow. I I think I think that a lot of people have time slips, and that's the way a lot of people can experience this. Other than that, so I would suggest me, your dreams. So go ahead. So so all right. So let's you know before we go on to to I think dreaming. You said, um, yeah. We, did you you must you must have tried to reverse engineer, so to speak, um, uh, how you accomplished this. Um, sure. I, I mean, was it, I mean, when you were a kid in pain, sure. I can understand that maybe you were in some altered state, you know, and that's maybe it. that's contributed. Um, the, uh, but, but the dark room, well, maybe the darkness, um, you know, uh, you know, you were, you were, your senses were altered to a certain extent. Um, but yeah. walking, but the other story, when you were just walking, you know, walking down the street looking for a story to do, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I, I guess I'm not sensing in how you were maybe in an altered state there. So, so what can you tell us about if you did try to reverse engineer how you made this work and what were the uh, parameters to be able to do this? You could actually set up exercises to do it. I, I began to kind of study it and listen to other people's stories. They're all anecdotal, very hard to, like, prove or verify in a scientific way. But you see a pattern emerging. And so then I realized that there were a lot of mystics from, you know, for many, many, you know, centuries have been able to do this. Now, in India, you know, the Samadhi mystics go into a deep, deep trance, and they experience time shifts where they actually go somewhere. Now, we would maybe be tempted to call that um, an out-of-body experience or astral travel, 
you know, and people often say, well, Vaughn, you're, you're talking about astral travel. And I say, yes and no. I mean, it's a little bit more. It's a little bit more. And, and, and then I found out that in the Native American and other shamanic traditions, they have something called shamanic journeys or vision quests, you know, uh, or, you know, where, where they'll, they'll actually go into a deep trance, very similar to the Samadhi mystics in the East, and they will, they will experience, uh, you know, timelessness. They would experience a, 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 an altered sense of time and space. They would be somewhere else. Very often, very often they would go back and talk to the ancestors, or more typically they would go forward, you know, and they would, they would find, like, I'm talking now like shamans, the, the role of the shaman is to have a, a vision, you know, and then find insight to bring back to the people and say, well, this is, this is what I see, or I've talked to the ancestors, or I've seen the future, you know. And, you know, Native American lore is filled with this, where they've actually gone forward and see, you know, the, the, the evolution, of, you will, of, uh, of North America, what it, what it becomes and what it will become. Right, so right. I see... I, I now, see well, that well, you know, now that you're putting it in that, it, no, you you go. Oh, once I see that um, it's it's a it's a sense of altered consciousness, and the more I study time and time theory, it, 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 especially a lot of mystic writing, like uh, uh, you know, I'm a theosophist, so I, I'm, I'm you know I'm intrigued by the secret doctrine view of the universe and and. And, and our position in it. I'm intrigued with uh, some of the oldest um, Vedantic uh, literature, and I look at I look at like the the Holy Book of Dizan, which is like probably the oldest manuscript uh, um, um, we have, which is an, uh, Eastern spiritual science. And it, you know, and it and it talks about uh, it talks about you know consciousness being everything. Everything is consciousness, you know, and everything is, is, is driven by light, the radiance, you know, the stellar radiance. So, you know, I, I, I will tell you one more story, and it's much more uh, recent than that. And, um, and it's not exactly time travel, but it, it taught me a lot about time travel. When I, when I was working at the national headquarters for the Theosophical Society, um, I just started, and I was working in the publication uh, department. Uh, they published a lot of books at that time. And, and the phone ring, rings in the afternoon, and uh, I'm up in this third floor, like really hot place that had flowers, you know, house plants everywhere. It was like a greenhouse. And I'm like half-baked, I tell you. And, and the phone rings. And it, it sounds like an old man with a very thick East Indian accent does not tell me who he is, but he says, I want to invite you, sir, on a lightning tour of India. I always do this in, the, in late August or September. This is the best time, sir, and you must come with me. And he calls me three times. And every time I tell him the same thing, I, I'm too busy, I can't go, thank you very much. And I always ask him, why did you think of me? Why did you call me? Why me? You know, and it's like, who, and who are you? And so finally, I look, you know, I, I go all around the building and say, who's playing a, a, a joke on me? Because this guy, he talks very clearly, and
and he gives me information, but he doesn't seem really to be having a back-and-forth conversation. It's like he's somewhere way far away and just like, you know, like emailing me info, you know, and we're not having a normal exchange of dialogue because he doesn't respond to anything I say to him, really. But although I do say I, I can't go, and he said that is a shame. And then finally he says, he says, well, he says, then I will give you something else that will change your life forever. I want to teach you how to meditate in the morning light. And he taught me how to, to meditate in the morning light, how the light was very special, and the light would transform you. And the, the light would move you, and the light would take you places. And I said, well, that's really nice. And he said, no, you try it. And so I said, there is a pond in the back with a little running water, and I could sit there in the early morning with a blanket, and it's pleasant. It's that time of year when it would be pleasant to sit out there by the pond, and I'll do a morning meditation. And he said, just try it. So I did. I did. And, and it was amazing. I mean, I did have strange encounters where I would be somewhere else, you know, and I'd be back in my body, you know, and it's like the light did seem to be transporting me. So anyway, I, I got to thinking, who is this man? So I said, gee, he's like he's an Indian mystic or something. Well, so I go down to the bookstore, and I ask our book manager, who was at that time, Shirley Spears, and I said, Shirley, I'm, I'm looking for a book by a, an Indian master uh, who seems to know a lot about yoga, and he's talking about meditating in the morning light. And she said, well, all the really good books by the, 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 the Indian mystics, they're all in that corner. You know, don't look at the New Age stuff. Just go look at the real stuff. So I go back there, and there's a book face out, and I flip it over, and I start to read about this man who is famous for two things, teaching people how to meditate in the morning light and his lightning tours of India in fall. And at the end, it said, you know, when he, when he was born, he was quite old. But then, this, is, this floored me, it gave the date that he died. It was two years earlier. So, I mean... That man told me a lot, and that changed my life. But I'll tell you this. I mean, you know, Native Americans and, and uh, Samadhi mystics, you know, Eastern mystics and Native American mystics know how to do time shifts. I mean, they, they, they know how to leave their body in, in a meaningful way. But in a meaningful way, you know, what's different between this, this and, and astral projection or astral travel, actually, Astral travel is that you take more of your body. You take, you know, what the what the what the uh, Eastern Eastern mystics would call a uh, Mayarupa body, or we call it maybe an astral body. But it's like a very very substantial looking body, and you're taking like your emotional level, you're you're taking your, your your mental body, you're taking your spiritual body, you're taking everything but your physical body. You see, which which remains peacefully back. Now, when they had a hurricane. Uh, I don't know, about 10, 12 years ago in, 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 in southern India, uh, people were concerned. Uh, Indonesia was really hit hard, but southern India was too, and people were concerned about all the Samadhi mystics who were in trance because they would, they would go into a deep trance, and they wouldn't come out of it sometimes for three days, so they worried about what to do during the hurricane. They just decided they'd quietly, softly pick them up and carry them somewhere else. And they woke up somewhere else, oblivious to what had hmm. happened. Interesting. 
Well, um, okay, so some thoughts. Um, and I love the stories. Uh, I really love the stories. Um, so um, I am thinking to call this time travel um, is a little bit of a tease and maybe off the mark a bit, at least in terms of how we think of time travel. You know, because we, I think, tend to think time travel, our physical body uh, is actually going somewhere too, you know, not just our energy yeah. body or our astral body, you know. Um, okay, so, so now that we've now that we've got that established and I, I sort of figured you hadn't uh, uh figured out how to get our physical body back in time. Um, no, you're reminding no. me of a, of, of a lot of different things. I mean, to begin with, I mean, you know, we're only using 10% of our brain, most of us, you know, maybe yeah. not these, yeah. these mystics that you refer to. So we don't really know what we're capable of uh, to a certain extent. Um, I have spoken to people who um, – their deceased loved ones would, uh, you know, come back somehow and uh, influence their life or speak for, speak for them or perhaps even, um, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, alter, you know, alter the, the future in a sense, you know. Um, but we yeah. sort of thought of them as ghosts. You know, maybe well, they were yeah, just. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I mean, what do we really know about ghosts? I mean, and and uh, what their abilities are. You know, um, yep. so uh, this is this is quite interesting. Well, well, to go back to my question though, um, because I'm not sure if uh, I mean this was all interesting, but I'm not sure if uh, you answered me. Did you reverse engineer the process? Did you figure out? what to do in order to make it happen. Um, you said that there's yeah. a pattern. Yes. The, the pattern is you have to get into a deep, almost smarty trance. So you, 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 the meditations that, that, that I suggest are pretty much taken out of the Yoga Sutra, Book 3, the mystic part. And, and it, I look at going into a deep trance, but, but this kind of a meditation... Is, is, is a little different for a lot of people in that, in that you, it's an active meditation, uh, it's an active meditation, and it's a deep meditation. So you, you, it, it, well, I think a lot of people, when they meditate, you know, I know we're talking about like the eternal now, being, being in the now, you know, talking about uh, mindfulness, you know. I mean, that is like quietly me, uh, contemplation, meditation where you're kind of rolling things in your mind this is outside the mind this is outside the mind this is like this is actually like leaving consciously leaving the body and going somewhere and so what i've discovered through through these these exercises and, and i've done some in in, in 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 workshops and they seem to pick them up really fast is that people want to go they want to leave their body they want to experience another time so i i actually send people you know, back and forward. It's hard to be set people forward because they, once again, it's kind of like, what is your conception of what is possible? So most people think of time travel as like physically traveling in time. So I would suggest that, you know, putting everything in terms of, you know, uh, material reductionism is, is really not the answer. We are more than our physical body, you know. So part of you goes, part of you stays, you know. 
and and what what people seem to experience, especially when they go back in time, is they can go really back in time. You know, it's almost like, well, I mean, like regressions. You know, and past life regressions. People will experience. Uh, they'll actually be in the room. They'll, they'll be looking at themselves. It's kind of incredible. You know, and what I've noticed myself as I've done more and more of these uh, meditations and uh, time meditations is that I'm very conscious of the fact that. There is really only one time, <laughs> and I don't mean I don't mean the eternal now. There is an eternal now, but I, but I think that there's a time loop, and we think we tend to think in linear terms that you start at one end and you go to the other end. You're going forward, then you go back, and at the other end of this linear string is the past. But it's looped. You see, it it all. What I'm saying is that we're we're living in multiple realities and all of these realities are now so I mean I thought well when I hit this part I said how can this be there would be like um, how could there be multiple me's multiple existences multiple lives being lived simultaneously and out outside of uh, the Seth books and Jane Roberts I I'd never heard of that you know it's like so then I started reading more physics cutting-edge physics and it's like Oh, my gosh, you know, this is not at all crazy, you know. So Einstein talks about, you know, the now plane. And, and when light, light strikes you in a specific place, that is your now plane. That is your now. That instant when the light actualizes you, didn't use the word actualize, but I will, is that, 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 is, that is your now. But then the light strikes different times, different places, and that is a now. So all along this time loop, this long, single, singular time loop are, are in different nows. They're all nows. They're all different instances. So what, it, what I really see now is, is, you know, the physics makes sense. You know, the mystics make sense. What we're experiencing is, is, is multiple realities. And, and every one of us is, is every time you do a time slip, you tend to be somewhere else, a different time, a different place, living a life which may or not be this life, but a parallel life, and it seems very, very real. This, this probably sounds familiar to your listeners who dream a lot, and then boom, you're back, and then, then you're back, and then there's this other one. So I become more and more conscious of the fact that I'm, I'm not living a singular life. Life is not that dull, you know. So all, all of this okay. is happening. So the, the past is happening now, or what we call the future is happening now, and you're there, and you're also here. And the, the, and the difference so is... So with your... Okay, go ahead, Vaughn, and then, then give me a chance so, so, to ask so, a couple questions. Okay, so, so, so the word to, to, to think about is what is an instance? And I don't mean instant, but an instance. So this is like every moment is precious and dear. The, you know, every moment is unique. Every moment when light strikes you, light keeps going where it wants to go, and then it strikes you, and then that's it. You're targeted. And then, and then, there, and, and, and then um, we're experiencing this all along. So what this means, this should not be alarming to people. It means you have many opportunities, <laughs> many opportunities. 
to to experience uh, all of this. But you know, is my book about traveling physically in in, in time space? No. I mean, originally I was I wrote a book called Seven Secrets of Time, and then I came up with a, 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 a seven chapters, and some of the chapters were on time, some were on timelessness, and then some were on the concept of time travel. Or and 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 so the publisher said, well, it's a book on time travel. Well, it's really a book on time. It's really a book on time. Okay, so let time me is, let me ask a few questions. Yep. Vaughn, let me t- take yep. a breath. <laughs> let me get a word in edge edgewise here. Okay. Sorry. Um, and that's okay. That's okay. You're you're passionate about this, and 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 it's it's interesting, and it's it's uh, uh, it's multifaceted, and and uh, so. So what I think I'm hearing is that when we do this, and we're going to just keep calling it time travel, even though it doesn't involve our physical body. That's fine. Um, You know, your your publisher, you know, figured you'd probably sell a lot more books if we called it time travel (laughs) instead of energy body travel. (laughs) <laughs> but um but so so you're what you're saying I think is when we when we do this when we go into trance we are actually visiting maybe a parallel universe I think yes. is that just say yes, yes or no okay yes. yes okay now do do you have can you control where you're going uh or is it always um you know a surprise so what what physicists have found in recent years is cutting edge physics is fascinating. One of the very pos- you know popular notions is the fact the the possibility that there are multiple realities and multiple universes and and they're like superimposed almost superimposed on each other. It's almost like think about folding a map and you fold it and fold it and fold it. You say, "Well, well, where is where's Kansas on the map?" And it's like uh, well, it's right there, you know. But it, but it's on the other. It's it's across the fold. Well, light doesn't, you know. You know, you, you experience these uh, things in a singular fashion simply because light doesn't travel uh, around corners. You see, but but we can. We can. I mean, it it it's 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 a matter of raising your consciousness. And allowing yourself to go, and there are multiple. So y- there are multiple. Yeah. So, so the answer is no. You don't. You can't really control where you go. Sure, you can. I mean, that's well. That was the question I I asked. I, oh. I, I I what I meant, uh, and maybe I wasn't clear. When you go into a trance, I mean, can you say, okay, I want to go to New Zealand, or I want to go to Canada ten years ago, and do you end up there? Uh, if you do it right, yeah. I mean, every every workshop I do, I ask people to select where they want to go. You know, and 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 I don't really program them. It's a it's a place of, of of identity for them. You know, and it's like I can't put somebody a place that doesn't make any sense to them. But but they all pre-select specific specific place. And by the way, you can do this with your dreams. You can program your dreams. And by the way, I suggest this is the same thing. You're just meditating, lying down. But. You know, the idea is that you're raising your consciousness to the point of heightened awareness, 
to where you really are conscious of what you're doing and where you're going. So, you, you know, if, when we say you're in a trance, well, you're not like in a trance like somebody hypnotized you. It's a self-induced, uh, uh, deeper level of, of, of meditation in which your body go, goes completely to rest, but your, your, your higher mind, which I prefer to call consciousness, is actually racing very, very quickly and taking you where you want to go. It's a matter of pre-programming okay. yourself. Okay. All right, we're going to take a break. Um, and uh, when we get back, uh, I want to talk a little bit about maybe the practical application um, of, of doing this and, um, okay. you know, how once we figure out how to do it, which I'm sure you, uh, you know, have detailed a bit better in your book, um, you know, what can we actually use it for? So uh, that's what we'll come back and chat about in uh, just a minute. Uh, but right now, um, especially for those of you who feel called by the fairy faith, uh, I'd like to invite you to listen closely. This will be about Joe Carson's book titled Celebrate Wildness. Celebrate Wildness has practical instructions on how to make your own fairy ring henge, how to magically restore any place to its original wild harmony, how to feel the shapes of the earth as if they really are a part of your own body, and even how to initiate yourself into the Ferraferia path. From early Ferraferia member, John Beggs. What a beautiful, inspired, and inspiring book this is. The text is a delight, augmenting, interpreting, and celebrating the drawings that the singer sometimes adds another dimension of understanding to a musical composition. It has the glow, glory, and joy of a masterpiece. Celebrate Wildness is an oversized, hardbound book on heavy paper. It is written by filmmaker Joe Carson, who made the film Dancing with Gaia. You can get it for $45 from the Ferraferia website at ferraferia.org. That's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org. And just to clarify, Joe Carson's magical book titled Celebrate Wildness is available only at ferraferia.org, and I'll spell that for you, F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org. And just a reminder uh, to stay with me after my chat with Vaughn, uh, because we're going to be doing uh, an interesting tribute to ISIS, and I think, uh, think you'll enjoy it. So sit back, relax, and uh, stay with me uh, for the uh, duration of uh, the show, which is about um, another uh, 25 minutes or so. So, Vaughn, um, we're, we're back, and uh, I want to chat with you about, you know, maybe the practical applications for, for using this. Um, could you speak to that a bit? Yes. Um, well, there are many. Uh, the one thing that people seem to really enjoy in the workshops is they go back to an earlier time and it might be when they were a child or it might have been a previous life, and they try to determine, <clears throat> just as an observer watching themselves, they, you know, they, they get a certain amount of 
information as to their problems, you know, and how their problems came to be, and how the all the all the burdens of this life weight them down from from the past, you know, um, all the baggage we carry forward. So a lot of people a lot of people enjoy that. Um, um, you can also go back and send a little energy to yourself. You can also go back and visit people you know and send a little energy to them. And you could do it, you know, forward. So I think um, I think that that is true. And then and then you know it's like finding finding lost things because I think those things get out of space and time and they get lost. And then you, where are they? And then suddenly the keys that were never on the counter are suddenly on the counter. Um, I remember looking for some some uh, favorite rocks of mine that were, I had put under the bed. But I lived in Oregon, and I remember looking under the bed about 50 times, and they weren't there. And then I looked everywhere else in the whole whole Mount Hood area, and then two weeks later I looked under the bed, and they were all there. You know, and, and it's, it's like the, the magic sock that reappears and, and disappears. And there are little time slips happening all the time, you know, and... And, and then some things get stuck in time. You were mentioning ghosts, you know. They get stuck in time. And then outside the physical realm, you know, the, the, the in the nature spirit realm, they seem to be totally oblivious to what we consider limitations of the timeline. You know, I had a... Uh, here's another story for you. Uh, Dorothy McLean and Fendhorn. They had all of these devas who would, uh, you know, deva of the pea, and you know, de- you know, they all the things that would make their garden grow in Fintorn. Well, I, I knew a, 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 a psychic author named Louis Gittner who lived on Orcas Island in the San Juans, uh, in the West Coast, and and Louis, he was telling me one day about how the the energies, the energies, um, would 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 come and talk to him. And they would tell him how to make his garden grow. And I said, you know, it sounds to me, Louis, like you're talking about about um, nature spirits. You know, he said, well, they're just energy. You know, they're just pure energy. And um, and um, he said, in fact, he said, the same energy he talks to me talks to other people. You know, I said, simultaneously. And he said, no, it's really funny you would bring that up. He said, you know, about a year ago, I, uh, I got to thinking, you know, because I read, you know, some of the Fintorn material, and I got to thinking it sounds kind of like my, my energies, you know, help my garden. I mean, his plants were just, his garden had the most amazing, huge, huge flowers. I, you know, I was just astounded. And, and he said it was the energies. And, and so he said I got on a, on, a, on a plane. Lewis liked to travel. And he flew to, 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 to Scotland, and he knocked on the door, and Dorothy opens the door, and he said, I'm Louis Gettner. I'm, I'm a, a psychic author from the uh, United, United States, and uh, I want to talk to you. And they got talking about, about when he gets his information. Because he would be recorded, you know. He would go into a trance, well, almost like a medium, and then light would come upon his body, and then they'd record what, what, what the energies would say through him. And so he said, well, you know, I keep a diary, you know, so I have, I have this diary. He said, gosh, that, he says, that sounds a whole lot like I keep a diary, too. And he said, well, he said, it sounds like we're getting the same information, but just, you know, a, a few hours difference, different. She 
said, Lewis, did you ever hear about time zones? And they, and they corrected the time zone difference, and they found out they were getting simultaneous transmissions on the same subject. So I think that, I think that we're, we, we tend to think of our, uh, the timeline, the time is fixed. You know, it's like, okay, we do, we do this show now, you know, at 6 o'clock, and it's an hour, and then it's over. But, it, but it's like that's just, it, I, it's just the way we live. You know, not, not, not everyone, not everything, not every creature, not, not all of creation is like that. There's really no sense of time in the universe. It's just one big time loop. And what? So let me ask you. Let me ask you a couple questions, Vaughn. Um, you made yeah. me think about something, and I don't know whether this, what we're talking about today, could account for this. And I don't tell many people about this because, quite frankly, I think they'll think I'm crazy, uh, or I've overlooked something obvious. Um, when I, I I led a trip to Greece for 24 days. And uh, I wore this particular piece of jewelry that um, turned out to be a nuisance on the trip because it kept grabbing all my clothes. Uh, And uh, so I took it off and I put it away for safekeeping. Um, And sometime during the course of the trip, it disappeared. I, you know, unpacked and repacked my luggage a dozen times and it was gone. Um, I got back home and it Mm -hmm. wasn't oh, I don't know, a week or two after I uh, was home. Again, you know, before I put the luggage away, I looked one more time. It wasn't in anything. Um, But uh, suddenly that piece of jewelry appeared on my altar. And uh, I know that sounds crazy. I barely believe it myself. But I wonder if uh, what we're talking about could somehow account for, for that incident. Yeah, I, I, it, it seems that not only people experience time loops, but objects do, you know. So we have to remember, we have to remember always that that in our physical world, things are not as solid as we think. <laughs> this is a world of plastic, you know. It's, it's, it's only semi-formed, and part of the forming is us. You know, we're part of the creation process. To finish it, and 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 so what I'm saying is this is like things are not that set in stone. Things are a little bit fluid here, more than most people would realize. Because we tend to think of things being very solid and very rigid in our world, and it, it really isn't true. Hmm. Okay. And um, so so this this um, you were talking about the practical applications. If I were in your workshop and you told me to uh, you know, go back in time, I would probably say to you, well, Vaughn, I want to see what it was really like to live in ancient Egypt. Can I go sure. back? Can I go to ancient Egypt, even though, to the best of my knowledge, unless I were there in a past life, um, I, I was never there in the past, only there in contemporary times. Can you do that? Is that a practical application to actually yeah, go yeah. back and, and sort of be like a fly on the wall and watch how people actually live? Yes. Now, I always tell people in the workshops, it's easier if you have a, like I always say, a karmic connection to that life in that time. But but it's not it's not essential. So I always give people the option. In fact, if I have a long enough workshop, I have them experience it both ways. Go back to a time 
you know, before this life and before the last life, you know, and, and when, when, you know, and they do that. You know, they look for themselves. And it's very good to observe yourself. It's very, very good psychology to observe yourself. You can learn a lot. But then, but then, then I say, well, go back to a time that interests you. And people do that. I mean, I've done that. You know, and it's, it's really astounding. You know, because you'll just come up with something like you've never seen or heard of it, and there it is. Huh. Well, you're. Intri- I have to say, you're intriguing me. Um, uh, but I guess you know, I'm a skeptic, and I'm wondering if where we're going isn't simply something we've conjured up out of our imagination, like if we do a guided meditation, um, or uh, or we really slipping. You know, is this really a time slip, and we are, uh, you know, a hundred percent sure we are actually going back. To this place, and and I mean, we could see Julius Caesar being stabbed to death. I mean, could we could we do that? <laughs> I think theoretically you could. I think it'd be hard hard to rig, but you could do it. You know, I think you know it's 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 like when you travel. You know, it's just it's easier just to to get off the boat and walk around and, and find the the really cool spot to have lunch. You know, you're talking about a very specific thing. But it could be done, you know, and it's it's a matter of of, of honing in on it, you know, and it it is all electromagnetic um, uh, attraction to. You can always find yourself easier than you can find something else. So it's easier to find yourself in the past or even in the future than to find you know Julius Caesar getting whacked, you know. But it, you know it could be done. It could be done, you know, and it's like, um, and and is is it in your mind? I mean. There's been a lot written by, by shamanic writers. You know, like like let's look, look at Serge Kahili King. You know, the 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 Hawaiian. He talks about imagineering. You know, and and, it, and it's like imagineering. You're 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 creating a, a reality out of your imagination, but that isn't really so 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 hard to grapple with if you think that all of this, <laughs> you know, universally, you know. Cosmologically, you know, to our world where we're standing right now, it's all, it's all, it's all been, it's all, you know, come from thought forms. It's all come from consciousness. Consciousness in, in the beginning was the word, you know. So it, there it is, you know, and it, and 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 we become a part of that. We become a co-creative part of our universe as we begin to work our own part of consciousness. Which is part of the universal consciousness, and there's only one. It's it's the oneness and all. We're all connected. So why couldn't I find Julius Caesar? I mean, we're you know six degrees of separation. We're all you know. It's all one. We're 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 all connected in that way. So if if all right. So you said it's easier to go back and find yourself. However. Yeah. If what if you've never had a past life regression? What if you don't really have any clues about your past? How do you how do you overcome that obstacle? What I do is I I I I, I get people really to disconnect when they go into a meditation and they're just staring into black blankness and then they fill the screen with what they want. You know, I take all words out of it. And then they paint a picture of themselves going somewhere. And it can be a very crude picture, but it doesn't matter. It's their picture. And they, then they bring it back 
and then that's the moment when they go. So, so I mean, I have a whole lot of practical applications in the book, uh, things that I think work, like finding things and going and learning things and discovering in the in the way that you know that that, that shamans would do. You know, it is it is. Um, I think we all do this unconsciously more than we know. But but we call it daydreaming. <laughs> we call it daydreaming. We call it dreaming. You know, we just call it it's like where were you? So I was somewhere else. It's like where the heck were you? Well, you know, if it if it's something that is really isn't on the top of your mind, it's part of your everyday life and it's really exotic, it probably was somewhere else. You know. And why, why, why? Can't we go in a consciousness body at the speed of light anywhere we want to go? No reason. So I think there are a lot it's of practical very applications. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Very interesting stuff, Vaughn. You uh, you definitely have me intrigued. I have to say. So um, if someone gets your book and uh, the title of it, Seven Secrets of Time Travel, um, you will walk them through how to do this and does yeah. it take an awful lot of practice um does it, it take a whole lot of practice is good. or practice is good but i find that um what's good is that is is that i i i start off with teaching people how to do self-hypnosis so they could really have a mastery of this they become totally in charge of their own life and so you can do your own uh, regression you know, you, you don't need someone to take you through regressions. You know, you don't need a guide. You know, you can do all this yourself. And, and it, it takes a lot of practice, you know. And, and I guess, you know, I've had a, a couple other books that had perfect timing, looked at what is time and how people experience it on, on an everyday level. Like, do athletes learn how to control time? And I suggest, yes, they do. You know, they slow down the motion of the ball. It all goes super slow. And, and, and athletes do this all the time. And then my more recent book on time is Moving in the Light, you know, where I, I suggest that, you know, just like in Star Trek, you know, you can suddenly find yourself somewhere else. But it's like it takes a little bit of practice. And so I always put in exercises how to do it, and people can try it and see if they can do it. And everyone can do it. Well, you know, I, um, I, I, as I said, I am intrigued by this. You know, lately I've been um, thinking a lot more about the noetic sciences and the power of yeah. our mind uh, to do a yeah. lot more things than we were taught, uh, you know, the, that we know how to do, you know. Uh, and the fact that you're about to write a book on manifesting, uh, that's one of the, um, the topics that I'm interested in as well. Because it, and I'll just throw this out there at you before we before we go. I know uh, Thomas Jefferson and you know the elite folks. He, you know he hung around with you know the learned folks of his time. You know the alchemists and the, all of that right. stuff that they were into. Um, yeah. You know they found his personal papers, and <clears throat> he was talking to one of his peers about some of the the some of the things they uncovered it wouldn't be safe in the hands of the masses. And I started to think, what if that is about manifesting? You know, what if we really have the ability to manifest our desires, but, you know, our doubt, you know, clogs it up or something, or, um, you know, we just haven't 
figured it out. Uh, you know, to, we have we haven't gotten it down to a science, so to speak. And I no. wonder if you've had any thoughts about that, um, you know, about what uh, Jefferson and his cronies uh, had actually discovered that they didn't think, you know, uh, the average folks like you and me, um, you know, were uh, capable of having this powerful information. Well, I mean, certainly the Holy Book of Dizan wasn't supposed to get out of, of Tibet either, you know, but it did. Not all of it, you know. But, I mean, you talk about Jefferson, you talk about the New Thought Movement, you talk about the Transcendentalists, you know, you talk about uh, the Alchemists. And it, 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 there are a lot of comparisons, you know, and, and, and they, they, they understood transformation. They, they understood that we're, we're, we're evolving, you know, as, 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 as human beings. And we're a part of an evolving, you know, cycle of life, you know, part of it and and um the, the my book on manifesting looks at consciousness it looks at thought forms how we all tend to use thought forms sometimes we verbalize our thoughts and sometimes we don't when we're really verbalizing and thinking the same thought it's much more powerful than if we're just saying something and thinking something else you know you know that's why animals laugh at us because you know we're often thinking something you know Showing you different body language and then verbalizing something different, but you know, you know the group prayer, you know the recitation, you know the group involvement, the group power of of common thought, you know thought, you know you think of the work of uh, Dr. Emoto in, in Japan, you know, where they would all concentrate on a single thought like healing or or love or or or, or uh, transformation of a crystal form, you know, it's like. There is a lot of power in a thought, but most of us waste our thoughts because our thoughts just go silently and and aimlessly in all directions, bouncing off walls and unintended objects, including people. So we just scatter our thoughts. But learning to project our thoughts with focused intent, you know, is 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 something else. And then we start manifesting. Right. Well, and and I think it's interesting that you say that, you know, we verbalize one thing but maybe think another. Um, I I spoke to a couple animal psychics who said the very same thing, that if you wanted to communicate with your pet, you have to make sure what you're saying verbally is matching the images you're sending them in, you know, uh, with with your brain. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I'm connecting the dots here between what you're saying and and they said as well. Um, And, yeah, and I guess that's difficult to do because, say, for instance, you want to manifest um, prosperity uh, and, you know, but you're too worried about poverty, um, you know, rather than seeing yourself and feeling yourself um, you know, having um, having you know wealth or assets or success, whatever it is, then uh, I think that's what you're saying. You kind of block it because your your thoughts aren't in sync with what you're saying, and and aren't in sync with um, practicality and and the goodness of, of the whole, and and not supported by the community because it comes bouncing back if it's not supported, you know by other thoughts out there, listeners, let's say, or those who are attuned. You know, you, you, you probably heard of the Maharishi effect. You know, the Maharishi came to this country and he, and he taught transcendental meditation, 
and 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 he said, well, you know, there could be, I don't know, what do you say, one percent in the community could be thinking, uh, like peace, and they could promote peace, and they could they could achieve, you know, dramatic effects if if only one percent could do this. All med- meditating and projecting the same thought form. So so, they've tried this in different communities, small communities. And they would use like maybe 10 people or 100 people, you know, and to see if they could do it, a group, a group meditating on a, on a, a specific goal, you know, a target. Uh, and, and, and it's been shown that, that results could, could come from this, you know, places where they pro- projected a desire for less crime. These cities where they would do this, the Maharishi effect proved that they would uh, see a, redu- a reduction in crime. So this has been this has been replicated in many many places. I forget how many, but dozens. And the Maharishi effect is now a, something you can Google and read about, and it's a it's a happening thing, as they say. But you know that's an example of group thought and group power of thought and manifesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I want you. I've given you an assignment, Vaughn. I want you to, since you're okay. you're um, well versed at this, um, I'd like you to go forward in time, <laughs> and I'd like you to tell me if, if uh, I'd like you to tell me if Donald Trump wins the next presidential election. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! I don't want to go there because it's going to hurt to look at it. I I I I, I hope we can. We I hope we can manifest. Something happier, happier. If enough of us project our thoughts on, on a better outcome, we'll have a better outcome. I don't know how many it's going to take, okay. but it, it's going to take more than one or two of us. Well, you know, uh, when you can, it, unless they're all paid uh, participants in his rallies, uh, he certainly has a lot of energy going in his direction. So uh, we need to have a lot of energy to counter that, I guess. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Well, Vaughn, um, it's been fun chatting with you, and we're getting, uh, you know, we're, we're right here at the hour. Uh, is uh, I'd like to give you a moment uh, if you have any closing thoughts. Uh, is there something maybe I didn't think to ask you that you'd like listeners to know? Well, the moment, you know, it's exciting to think about going forward or backward in time, and it's very, it's very exciting, and it's very enlightening, but. It's just nothing has the power of the present moment where you are. Where you are now, where you are is is where your your attention is, <laughs> where your consciousness is. So I'm not going to say it's the room where you're sitting listening to me now. It could be somewhere else, and 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 it, it could be some place that you go, you know, in, in in a meditation. But it's like the the power of the present moment is is really powerful. I mean, it is it is it is filled with potential. So I, the word I'd like to leave with everybody is opportunity. That's what our life is. It's opportunity. Okay. Well said. And uh, leaving us on a hopeful note. Um, well, Vaughn, please get back in touch with me. Keep my email address uh, when your next book okay. comes out uh, on, on manifesting. Or actually, uh, some of your other books are quite uh, sound quite interesting as well. You know, we could chat about some of those topics later on in the year if you like. Sure. That sounds like fun. Thank you very much. Okie doke. All right, then. Thank you for uh, Thank you for your time tonight. And uh, stay all. cool if you can. Okay. okay. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. Bye, Karen. Bye. 
um, hope you enjoyed that uh, interview with Vaughn. Uh, and, uh, yeah, wouldn't it be great if he had figured out how to go back in time with our physical body and stay there? Uh, if you're a fan of Outlander, as I am, or the All Souls trilogy, uh, where they went back in time to hide for a while and they got to meet famous people, uh, wow, wouldn't that be incredible? Um, anyway, uh, turning our attention away from time travel, whether it be our physical body or our energy body, uh, to uh, Isis's birthday. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, the latter part of July uh, is traditionally the time of Isis's birthday. And um, I wanted to pay tribute to her at, the, at this, her birthday season. And... Um, and so I thought I would do that by sharing this with you. Uh, this is an essay that I wrote for the Feminism and Religion blog, and I also put it in my own newsletter uh, called Dancing at the Edges with Karen Tate. Uh, if you'd like to... Um, make sure you receive a, a copy of that monthly newsletter, uh, please get in touch with me at karentate108 at yahoo.com, and I'll be happy to add you to the uh, newsletter mailing list, and you can um, uh, get notice of the bees that are buzzing around in my bonnet uh, every month. So anyway, um, I wanted to pull myself away from the ugliness out there and, as I said, take time to honor the Egyptian goddess Isis, uh, you know, at this, uh, her birthday time. Uh, my husband, Roy, and I, uh, you may or may not know, we formed the Isis Ancient Culture Society and the Iceum of Isis Navigatum in Los Angeles uh, some time ago. And uh, for more than a decade, in Isis's name, uh, we sponsored moon circles to promote diversity, salons to teach. Uh, we put out quarterly newsletters when you still had to fold and mail them. Remember that? <laughs> uh, we'd have mailing parties. Uh, but the premier uh, events every year were the Isis Birthday Tea, and the Isis Navigatum, or sometimes it was called the Festival of Isis, uh, which was every March. So the tea was in July and the Navigatum was in March. And our aim was to reconstruct ancient uh, Isis rituals, uh, sacred ceremony, uh, in a modern a context and make them relevant for today. Uh, we put on the Isis tea in prestigious locations like aboard the Queen Mary, that ship, you know, uh, and the Isis Navigatum was held in various public locations, including the Japanese gardens uh, and on the beach in Malibu, California. And, you know, uh, we were so detailed about our events, about our clothing, about our, our, um, our sacred objects. Um, that uh, when we were out in public, uh, people actually would come and think, you know, come by and see what we were doing. They thought we were a movie crew. And our organization was written about uh, by an anthropologist folklorist um, in, in a book that she wrote uh, citing the detail and depth of uh, the material culture of contemporary Isian devotees. So, um, some things uh, about Isis uh, I wanted to share. Uh, first of all, um, uh, you know, for her birthday, I thought I would share these 
this about ISIS to either raise her awareness or just to remind us. Uh, first of all, her symbol is the throne, and it was on her authority. The pharaoh was given the right to rule. She can be seen on inscriptions on Egyptian temples, uh, giving the king the right to rule by way of handing him the symbol of Ma'at so that he may rule using the attributes of the goddess Ma'at's justice. Her sacred tool, the sistra, or sistrum in the plural, uh, was a musical instrument when shaken was said to keep the energies of the cosmos flowing so they wouldn't become stagnant or die. Uh, likewise, uh, we should keep changing, evolving, never becoming stuck or failing to transform. The sistra with its loop top and handle, symbolic of the womb and penis, uh, is seen as a sacred tool of regeneration and creativity. Uh, the boars and uh, hanging dangles uh, represented the four elements. Uh, the sister was also sacred to Bast and Hathor. So you get the idea when you shook it and you were shaking the dangles that represented the four elements, um, you were moving the energies of the universe uh, to keep it uh, alive and flowing. Uh, when a priestess wore the manat collar, you know, that rounded collar you see in so many Egyptian clothing, when a priestess wore that collar and held the sistra, she was believed to be the living embodiment of Isis. On statues of Isis outside Egypt, one can always recognize a priestess of Isis or Isis herself by the Isis knot on clothing. So look for that Isis knot. The Isis Navigatum, or Festival of Isis, which we created, was an you know, actual ancient ritual, was held every March in the ancient world. It was a celebration with feasting, drinking, wearing costumes, processions, uh, along with sacred ritual. Well, that was a precursor to Mardi Gras. Uh, and there is a crew of ISIS procession on in the New Orleans Mardi Gras parade schedule. And uh, in my newsletter, uh, I uh, showed a picture of an ISIS doubloon, which is thrown by revelers aboard the floats uh, from the crew of ISIS. And you can see uh, those doubloons. Uh, scholars debate whether ISIS or Artemis was considered the most powerful in their magical abilities. Some believe Mary Magdalene and Jesus were practitioners of the rites of Isis and Osiris. Uh, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, it was similar to when Isis raised her husband Osiris from the dead. Isis was one of the only Egyptian goddesses whose worship spread beyond the shores of Egypt. She was worshipped throughout the Western world. You have to remember, wherever Rome conquered, and that was a, uh, just a wide swath of territory, you would find Isis worship because she was such an influence in the Roman world. Some believe her worship was also found along the Silk Road headed east and might have influenced Kuan Yin devotion. It's important to know that Isis, not Christianity, was one of the first religions to offer salvation and life after death. Also, her image and attributes were co-opted in Christianity and applied to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, look at the images of Mary with Jesus on her lap. Well, uh, that was just a copycat of earlier depictions of Isis with her son Horus on her lap. Likewise, many of the Black Madonna statues were originally statues of Isis. And we know that because um, when the paint was removed, there was Isis. 
Uh, Isis is a universal goddess worshipped from womb to tomb. She was considered one of the best loved goddesses of all time across the globe. She was accessible. She um, was worshipped by um, people of uh, high standing and people of ill repute. She was worshipped by the poor and the rich, by pharaohs and kings, by women and men. She is definitely a goddess for our time, a goddess of diversity. So let us remember Isis in this, her birthday season. Isis, you are all things and all things are you. Yes, Isis, you of 10,000 names. And um, I will let uh, uh, you listen uh, to this piece by Diva Haley entitled Isis uh, as we close out uh, the tribute to Isis on her birthday. And I want to thank you for tuning in. I'd like to uh, ask you uh, also for uh, donations uh, or gifts for the show. Uh, I've mentioned in the last few months that uh, things have changed for me uh, significantly. Uh, I'm no longer employed, and um, I find myself caretaker uh, to my husband now. And um, if it's important to you to keep the show on the air, uh, I ask you to help me pay for that. and uh, it's been suggested to me that I just be honest and straightforward uh, and uh, say to listeners uh, that it is important uh, if the show has been meaningful to you, if it's been a lifeline for you. Uh, as so many of you have said, if it is the spring that feeds you, uh, please do support the show so that it doesn't go away. And if uh, you would like to do that, uh, any amount is helpful. Uh, You can go to my website, karentate.net. There is a PayPal link there where you can make a donation of any amount, and it would be greatly appreciated. Okay, so this is uh, Isis by Diva Haley. Enjoy. now. How many more lifetimes will you donate to the illusion of the ego? Are you ready to directly face the truth of your essential self? It is time to set yourself free.